2: Hello and welcome to this week's No No Never podcast, I'm Jamie Smith and James and Natalie are with me to go over the weekend's nil no, no draw at Queen's Park Rangers. Um, unfortunately not a lot to talk about on this week's podcast so it might be a slightly sh- a shorter podcast than normal. Um, James, we talked a lot about how conditions affected the game last weekend against Preston at Turf Moor but similar again with the wind at Loftus Road. Yeah, it was another
3: windy one and um... In the end, I think it, it really affected both teams because from an entertainment point of view, I don't really think there was anything on offer at all on Saturday.
2: And was was the performance better than the Preston
3: game? I'd, I'd say so. I, I don't think the performance was particularly bad. Um, I think, you know, a draw was the fair was a fair result. And if, to say we'd played bad, you'd expect us to have uh, deserved to get beat. I just think that, you know, between the two sides, there wasn't really much in uh, the way of meaningful attacks or any excitement, so it did make it a little bit of a drab affair to watch
2: It's often the case isn't it Natalie that after a a disappointing result, teams go back to basics and it seems like Dash did that the weekend with a a more resilient defensive performance and first clean sheet in a while so that's that's something we can take from the game
1: Yeah absolutely, I would agree with that Um, you could sense um, watching the game on Saturday that there was um not a not a nervousness about this tight side, but I think they they started quite apprehensively um I think they you could tell that they were trying to. Repair some um, wounds from the weekend before, and I, I think they just wanted to get back on track. Um, I actually agree with with uh, with James' as summary there. To be honest, I think it was, um, you know, it wasn't back to our best, but it certainly was an improvement from the Preston game.
2: Of course, it is now five games without a win, as a lot of people are keen to point out on Twitter after the match, maybe looking for an excuse to to air some old grievances. Um, James what do you think it is that's, that's stopping the team turning those draws into wins that's four draws in the last five and we're still in the top six but there's no doubt that the form has gone a bit patchy and it's a bit of a sticky patch
3: I think I think it's really a lack of chances um, you know we've got Andre Gray up front and he's shown that he, he can score goals but I think he's having to try and make a lot of his opportunities himself um, I don't really feel like we, we're creating too much I think we're trying to go direct and we're just not really looking like we're gonna get into the box and, and be dangerous.
2: There's a couple of chances for, for Sam Volts, maybe opportunities for him to attack crossers. Uh, we we talked about Volts and his fitness on last week's podcast, he didn't really see him at the race against Preston. Are there any signs of an improvement in, in Volts's game on Saturday, Natalie?
1: Very much so, yes. Um, he got he, you know, he he got the ball um, a lot more than he did against Preston, and a lot of his chances. There was a, a sharpness about his game that had been missing the the, the week before. Um, he was one of the players that I was um, particularly keeping an eye on, uh, watching the game just because, um, you know, he he is coming back from another injury and he has been a bit hit and miss this season. And he did have a particularly disappointing game against Preston. And um, I was I was generally quite pleased with his. Performance performance I don't think there was anything to be concerned about Um, on another day the chances he had against QPR would have found the back of the net but you know it just just didn't happen so yeah it it was an improvement for me.
2: It was a bit of a surprise when the teams came out that there was no Charlie Austin obviously he's coming back from injury but that must have been a boost to to the Burnley team to to know that QPR's best player arguably and certainly their biggest goal threat wasn't on the pitch James do you think it might have been a different story if he'd been able to play?
3: Um yeah, I was really shocked to see him on the bench to be honest. You know, I think he's arguably the best striker in the league. Um and, you know, I'd say that he was the only player you know, that they had all day that when he got a touch in a area it looked like he could create some danger. I was a little bit worried, but in, I think in the end he decided to pass on to Carl Henry who um well, there was nothing really to worry about with him, so
2: and the other player who of was course, was, was making ons before the game was Joey Barton, his first game back at Loftus Road. Um, he took a bit of stick after his performance against Preston. It was rightly perceived to be one of his, maybe his worst performance for Burnley. Was was there an improvement from him?
3: Um, yeah, I thought Barton had a, had a really good game. I think he had a, a little bit of a slow start, but, but got going. Um, I think there was um, a mixed reception from the, the QPR fans. There was a little bit of hostility um, when he got, hit in the face from point blank, which I thought was a little harsh. He, at first I actually thought he was unconscious because he, he wasn't moving um, which was obviously very worrying. Um, and he, he clearly looked a little bit shaken when he got up uh, so I was a bit surprised to see QPR fans you know, booing him for that. It's, it's never good to see fans boo a player when he's, he's taken what could be a legitimate reason to, to go down as well.
2: Annoyingly, we're going to have to talk about substitutes on the podcast again. Every week, I think we're not going to be able to get away without doing it, but every week, it's almost like Daishi's trolling us at times, but Natalie, when a game's in the balance, to not use any subs at all, that, that's that got to be a bit of a strange decision.
1: Um, how it's, it it's
2: not that? often you see it these days, is no, it, they're, they're not yeah. subs at all?
1: And it's obviously something that that I don't know if it's preying on Dyche's mind at all. I don't know whether he has been asked that question directly in interviews because he does seem to address it in his post-match discussions um, this week. And you know, so I assume that at some point, maybe once or twice, the direct. Conversation. Sorry, the direct questions been asked of him as to why he's not rotating the squad and why he's not bringing on players, especially when the two substitutions that he made against Cardiff, two of the substitutions he made against Cardiff, worked so well and actually changed the game and got us a point, which we had absolutely no business getting at all. Um, So to make then very strange substitutions against Preston and then none at all against QPR, he's obviously been asked the direct question because I felt his comments were a little bit defensive. Um, Saying that, I'm not... (laughs) I'm not entirely sure who I would have brought on on Saturday and and what I would have done to change it. Um, it had a feel did the game of one of those games where nothing was going to, to, you know, nothing was going to break the deadlock. Um, I don't know if Hennings had been any more effective than Volk's was. Um, and again, if I can just reiterate. Sorry, return back to what James said at the beginning of the podcast. He, he mentioned there that we think the problem with scoring is the supply line rather than the actual strike force himself, themselves. Um, I'm not entirely sure who I would have brought on the pitch that would have created any more chances than ones that we were creating you know, with the players that we had on there.
2: I, I suppose one of the issues is that the, the depth in the squad. Although it's, it's better than it has been in the last couple of years, it's not still incredible. And also, I, I think when... When players like Keitley and, and Hennings and Long haven't played a lot, it's difficult to then say to them, you've got 20 minutes, go and make something happen. It's going to take them 10 minutes to get used to the speed of the game and all that sort of thing. So it, it kind of makes sense, but the subs are there to be used, aren't they, essentially, James? And if you've got good options, players like Dean Marnie, who are very good players at this level, we've talked about how to get him in the team, and Dash doesn't seem to want to put him on the pitch at the moment.
3: Yeah. To be honest, I, you know, opposite to way. I, I, I had a clear idea what I would have done and, and um, what change I would have made. I thought that, that George Boyd, was, he was getting into good positions, but he just didn't seem to be taking the ball with him at any point. So every time he looked like he could could break into the box, he left the ball behind. Um, so I would have really liked to see Cartley come on, on, on the wing, and uh, just try to get at the defence a little. Because I don't really feel like we, we push the full-backs all day. Um and the other change is to bring Dee Marny, and I would have probably taken David Jones off and and sort of gone maybe a little bit more attacking with the uh, you know the two midfielders who are a bit more bite. I
2: assume it's just a coincidence that after we had quite an in-depth conversation about possible changes to the team and things we could do differently in terms of formation, that it was the same team that played the whole ninety minutes. I'm sure Dash isn't listening, going, "I'm going to show them," but. <laughs> Yeah, just weird for me that, that that there are options on the bench for a change. It's not like a couple of years ago when we had nothing and, and we're not using them. Especially as Natalie says, when when we had game changes a couple of weeks ago and we've not seen them since, it's it's odd for me. And some of the players, Kylie in particular, have picked out. He did okay at the start of the season. He must be wondering what he's got to do to get a game, surely.
1: Just going back to what we were talking about with Deitcher's comments, though, are we reading anything into, I mean, it was a little bit weird, his interview, where he said that there was a lot of, I think he said, I can't remember it word for word, but I think he said something like there was a lot of expectation on the players who were playing and they know that it won't always be like this. It was a really weird comment that he made. Post match. and I'm just wondering whether he did have some game plan where this was some last chance saloon for these 11 players that they were playing, the, the likes of Boyd, who, you know, as James said, uh, just, you know, wasn't entirely at the races on Saturday, as he hasn't been for most of the season. And whether actually this was, you know, some kind of game plan where he said to them, This is your last chance. You're going to have to go out there and prove to me that I, I'm justified in picking you, otherwise, we're changing it. Or is that, you know, is that Deitch's? style to play those kind of mind games
2: it's an interesting point, I think when the, the team news came out it was obviously uh, no one was really shocked but maybe a lot of people were hoping for a change if that's that's a good way to put it um, I had a brief conversation with Andrew Greaves from the, the Telegraph on Twitter and I suggested much of what well. you've just said that maybe it was saying to the players look, you weren't at the races last weekend, go and put it right um, so but rather than a last chance thing more giving them an opportunity to to do things properly because we obviously didn't play well against Preston and the result didn't go our way um, but we spoke so much about getting Marnie into the team I want to keep coming back to Steve Marnie because he's the player that's, that's the obvious one that's not in the side to come in um, but he's not good on the pitch in the last two games we talked in detail last week James about how to get him into the side but is it just the case that that Jones Barton is going to be Dash's first choice? Do you think, or, or or will we see Marnie in the team at some point?
3: I don't know. I think you've got to see Marnie at some point. You know, he's you know we're not doing bad this season by by any means. You know, people say we haven't won uh, in five games, but we've also only lost one in thirteen or whatever it is. Um,
2: it's funny how you can look at the form in different ways, and it? it's one of those runs.
3: Yeah, it's definitely a weird one, but I think, you know, you've got to look at it while you're still picking up points. I, you know, I don't think you can complain too much, but it's clear we need to start scoring more goals. And I, For me, I think that's what it is. It's it's getting opportunities. You know, I don't think we've played necessarily badly, but we've not been, um, you know, we've not really been creative. And I think, you know, part of that yeah, will be the, you know, the conditions, the... You know, the wind definitely isn't conducive to the style of football we normally play, but um we just we need to get into the box more and I think that's for me is the you know the the, the be all end all of it. And I think you know, a player like D Morney helps you get into the box more.
2: How do you think we're doing overall, Natalie? Oh we're fifth in the table, a few points away from the top two at the moment. Should point out at this stage that we're recording this week's podcast before the borough game on Tuesday night our schedules are always a bit messed up when we've got Cheesy Night games. so we'll talk about Borough um, and the weekend game on next week's podcast, but we've just going to ignore Borough altogether, so we don't know what's happened at Borough. At the moment, I think we're five points behind Borough on the table. Do you think we're doing all right overall?
1: I'm really torn with how I feel about this season, and I keep changing my mind on a weekly basis. I think we are... In the top five players, and there seems to be a breakaway five sides now who are, you know, taking a gap away from that sixth place. We're up there, we're constantly being talked about in that group of players. A lot of people still expect us to push for automatic promotion. They still expect us to get promoted if we have to go through the playoffs. So to hear people talking about us in that light, to have positive press against us and to, you know, to, to see us up there genuinely pushing for promotion and in a in a genuine promotion push this time not a we might fluke it like you could maybe say we'd done in the last two um, promotion races so in that sense that's hugely positive look at where we've come in the last you know five or six years it's a huge cliche I know but the fact that we're having these discussions now just shows the change in the club and how well we're doing overall but there's still that but and there's still that thing in the back of my mind where we've just We've not yet performed as well as we all know we can do. We've not yet, you know, destroyed a team. And, you know, I know it's not all about that. Sometimes they say it's about, you know, winning ugly, isn't it? But, you know, we've not yet pulled out an amazing performance. We've not yet looked like a side that could genuinely challenge. Um, so I, I'm, I don't know. I, I, I genuinely don't know how I feel about how we're doing overall this season. I guess we're doing okay. <laughs> it's terrible isn't it i can't
2: t- talk two minutes to say we're doing okay would you really <laughs> say that um just to pick you up on one thing you said though would you really say the promotion last time was a fluke? we're in the top two for most of the season oh,
1: no no i don't sorry that that didn't come across the way that i intended it to come across no the
2: promotion. so i'll was... give you the opportunity yes. to retract <laughs> that comment um... i wish i'd done that last week when you threatened to go around to sean dash's house and bang on his door and shout in his face <laughs>
1: Like delete that from all the records and pretend I didn't say that because he is quite scary. Um, no, I, I will clarify my comment that our last promotion was by no means a fluke. We obviously we have played outstanding all season. We thoroughly deserved to go up. When I say fluke, I mean where we were at the beginning of that season. We were favourites to be relegated. We weren't set up, you know, we weren't talking about pushing for promotion before the season. It was six- unexpected. Yes, that's that's a be- much better word, thank you, Jamie, than the one the fluke that I used. So that, that's what I meant by that, yes.
2: Sorry. Excellent. We're <laughs> uh, coming into the, the Christmas period now, James. Obviously, it's a busy time of year and o- often it has a, a big impact on, on where teams end up. You play these five, six games in the space of three weeks and there's a lot of points up for grabs. Burnley are in a good position but this run of form we need to get out of it and get some wins on the board we?
3: Yeah, no for definite. I think um you know I think Saturday needs to be really seen as a springboard for for our festive period and um you know we need to need to get a good result and and take that, you know, positive energy into the into the Christmas period because as you said the the games come thick and fast at this time of year and they're important and I think once you get to the other side of this period and you look at the table then and that's when you really start to see it shake out a little bit more and um, you know you can normally see then who you think is going to challenge the top two spots who's going to be in the running for the playoffs and there's not normally too many surprises you know further on from that um, and I think as well you know it's an opportunity to, to maybe change the side a little bit because I know it's not Dash's way but um, when you've got games coming you know thick and fast it. it can be the time, you know, maybe to rest people. And I think, you know, I don't know for, for certain, but I, you know, you'd think that the the substitution of uh, Doricco against uh, Preston might really be um, an indicator that he could be someone who might get a rest over one of the festive period games, and you know, let Loughton um, get get a start. Um, but it, it, you know, like you said obviously it's, it's massively important that you start picking up points around the Christmas period. Well,
2: like I say, it's pretty much two games a week for the the foreseeable future. This is why we love the Championship, though, isn't it, Natalie? The games come all the time, and if you you lose one, you know there's going to be another one along in a couple of games' time. But on the flip side, if you get into a bad run, it can be difficult to get out of them, unless you've got maybe a spark from somewhere. Where, Where do you think the spark could come from? Because there's good players in the team, but for me, it lacks... A little X factor, someone who can produce something unexpected, a golf mate of the blue. I'm not sure we've got that in the squad at the moment. Um,
1: yeah, I think that's probably a fair comment, to be honest. Um, but then it seems ridiculous to suggest that because you look on paper at some of the players that we've got in our squad, you know, um, right the way through, there are quality players in there and there is, you know, players who are capable of. of just performing way, way, way better than they are doing. Um, Barton, you know, he he brought that spark when he, you know, he, he came into the side, you know, a little bit later than everybody else while he got fit. But he brought that. Gray can do that, and and to an extent, players like Volks can do the same um I, I don't know what it is there seems to be a collective downer on everybody at the moment rather than um you know just one or two off the pace it seems to be filtering through the whole team um and I, I can't really put my finger on it and in that sense i don't really know whether one person or what it's going to take to to bring it back to life again i don't know it's it's really odd and i can't i can't put my finger on it i really can't i feel like i'm being very weird vague. yeah vague. <laughs>
2: quite vague
1: very vague and very weird because
2: not a lot of insights on the podcast sure. tonight, I'm, I'm
1: terribly sorry people this is probably quite frankly the dullest input that i've ever had in this podcast <laughs> but i genuinely i can't i, I can't put my finger on it. i've been thinking all day i've watched the 90 minutes all over again just to try and get some inspiration and i don't know what it is it's weird
2: hopefully dash has got more ideas about where I, it's going I wrong than so. we do mm-hmm. um I suppose it's important not to get too despairing about about this little sticky run. I keep calling it a sticky run because I don't think it's going to be permanent. I do think we are going to get a win on the board sooner rather than later. Um, but James, team, teams that are up at the top, you always have a little period where it's not quite going your way. What's important is that you find a way out of it and start picking up wins when you're not playing well, which is what we were doing earlier in the season. Yeah, and I think you know we've done that
3: all season. We've, we've... Picked up points when we we're not playing our best, and you know people say it's picking up wins, Pick, it's picking up draws as well. Particularly if you, you are at places like Loftus Road, you know I've seen a lot of fans who are you know acting like we've gone away to you know some dump with like five thousand fans and, and only come back with a point, and we've not you know QPR. Have, you've got quite a lot of good players in that side. You know they got a new manager, and um, that often motivates teams. And we've gone away and we've got a point, which you know I think if you were to to pick the sides like QPR and said we'll get a point from all of those away from home, um, you'd, be, you'd be you know you'd be quite happy with that um, if if you'd been offered that at the beginning of the season. So there's definitely many ways looking at the moment, but I think some of our fans are being you know far too negative for for how we've performed so far this season.
2: Do you think that has an impact on the players? Um, I think atmospheres haven't been great at the turf this season, have they, despite the 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 putting home fans in the cricket field? I don't think that's had quite the positive impact people were hoping for, but does that rub off on the players when, they expect, when the expectation is different? As Natalie's pointed out, it's totally different to two years ago when the promotion push sort of took us all by surprise and everyone got on board with that positive feeling, whereas this time... We're we're fifth in the league, that's maybe about where we're expecting to be, so we're not overperforming like we were last time.
3: You know, I I think atmosphere has been an issue for quite a while at the turf, and you know, fans who deny that there's an issue there, I think, uh, you know, either not going to the games or they're not paying attention. Um, I think, you know, even when you listen on Clarence play, you can tell that there's just not the atmosphere that needs to be at the turf. And um, I thought on Saturday, the atmosphere from the, the Burnley fans it was unusually subdued for, for our away following, particularly when it, it was quite a good number we took, you know, one and a half thousand. You'd expect normally that we'd make a lot more noise and, you know, we certainly did in the Premier League season, I think, you know, away from home, we maybe even picked up points that we wouldn't have got otherwise um, just based on the support the fans gave to the players, particularly, you know, some of the second half fan performances were um, all you could hear on the the highlights on match of the day with the Burnley fans singing. So, it, it is an issue, and I think um, the cricket field stand in particular has been disappointing. Um, people always talked about the, the key to the atmosphere at the turf is having the cricket field stand. Listen to how loud the away fans always are. But I think it's more to do with the mentality. Away fans come to grounds and they, they normally want to sing. You know, you've travelled a long way, probably had a few beers on the way up. Um, you probably think about making a bit of noise, having a good day, and as a result, away followings tend to be a little bit louder. I, you know, Clearly, there are some acoustic advantages in the cricket field stand, but I'd say that having put the home fans in there now, we're seeing that maybe those, those advantages aren't as great as some people think unless people are making the noise in the first place.
2: I think that's fair. I went in there for the, the MK Dons game when it was a fiver on the Tuesday night game and it felt like, I don't know if it was just because that was... Um, they'd done a special ticket offer there, there was a lot of people in there but the atmosphere wasn't great it felt like there was a lot of people who don't go on very often um, which I suppose is what the ticket offer's for but they weren't contributing to the atmosphere in a way that I'd maybe expect there were yeah. a lot of kids in there as well, they weren't joining in with the songs it just felt like it didn't feel like a football atmosphere to me, it was um, weird
3: And For me though, that I, I think that is still the, the main point that the club needs to be applauded around that People have been saying that ticket prices are an issue at the turf and they've they've put an incentive incentive there for people to come and get cheaper tickets and uh you know I think that's still obviously a big positive, even if it hasn't necessarily had the atmosphere effect that that we wanted, it's still got bums on seats.
2: Absolutely, and we should highlight that because time and time again we've pulled the club up on issues with ticket prices. So what they've done with the cricket fields down the scene is certainly to be applauded and hopefully there'll be more initiatives that are like that um away from the atmosphere of the games natalie we have talked a bit on the podcast recently about things people say on twitter in particular and comments on message boards and things obviously players they don't have to read that stuff but a lot of them will do and i know for a fact that some players read social media and read what people are saying about them do you think that has any impact it's it's a modern thing that that people can check their phone and see what people are saying about them. I suppose.
1: I, if that's true, and I, I, I don't, I don't know. So that I'm, I'm not coming at this from, from any authority whatsoever. If that is true, and there are some players who will read um, message boards and social media to get feedback on their performance, I cannot believe that it doesn't affect them because regardless of, of their jobs regardless of, of the ridiculous argument or they get paid x amount of money they shouldn't care about this per week which is ludicrous but you know they are fallible human beings so if if they are reading some of these comments and we all know how bad certain trolls can be and you know keyboard warriors get on there and, and start shouting off with with their opinions then absolutely that's going to affect them i can't see how it wouldn't do um i personally wouldn't um i i wouldn't google myself i wouldn't i wouldn't dare read anything if i if i was in the public eye i'd be terrified um so yeah if that's true then yeah i would um I, I would i would be very surprised if it hasn't affected them
2: it's tricky though isn't it because the temptation to 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 have a lot must be unbearable there's been a couple of people who read clarets mad will be aware of the, the the kyle lafferty stuff that was a bit crazy and certainly um I think Danny Ings was one who, who got upset at some stuff people said on Twitter, and maybe he had one goal celebration where I think he put his hands behind his ears. It was a bit unnecessary, I think. Maybe in in response to to what people were saying, but for me, it just feels like there's no momentum at the moment. Two years ago, we started the season okay, and it was about October, November that we really started putting the results together. And it was QPR at home that I felt was a a real watermark where we sent that message to the league by beating one of the main promotion rivals, absolutely blew them away. And that announced us as a force to be reckoned with, I felt. We haven't done that to anyone this season. The, The wins that we've had tend to be quite narrow. There's been games where we've been in control and we've let the opposition back in them away for an example where we should have put them away comfortably and ended up scrapping to get the three points at the end. It just feels like to me that maybe the expectation is weighing on them a little bit. I don't know if that's fair or not. but I think that's
1: really fair. I think that's a really good point. It's,
2: it's something that they've got to get to grips with, surely, because yeah. we were going to be seen as one of the favourites this year and then when you go and spend £6 million on one of the best players in the league and whatever we pay in Joey Barton... That's yeah. going to put us up there and, and yes, teams will come and want what we've seen as a scalp now, so that's another angle to it, but I think the players have to, and there's players that are underperforming, as you've said, Boyd I think in particular, I don't think they're coping with the expectation at all.
1: No, I, I I completely agree with that um and I think you know I keep I keep seeing I saw one article um a couple of weeks ago now where th- it might have even been Barton actually who said that oh you know we're we're being you know we're being constantly pulled under the radar nobody talks about us and I love that you know that's where we want to be and I'm thinking no actually not you know that's that's one thing we're not this season you know we're always talked about in the in the promotion push in you know I was watching the um one of the um football league Games, one of the live games over the weekend, and they were saying, "No, and Light Burnley, you know they're on a bit of a, a, a difficult run at the moment. They might be slipping behind." That pressure is coming from the press, it's coming from fans, it's coming from everywhere. We are not under the radar at all, and and you're right they're not they're not coping with it, and they're going to have to do because if they can't, if the only way that they can push for promotion and push for this, um, you know, big season that, that we think we're going to have then they're not going to be able to do it under the radar it's it's not there
2: what's your thoughts on this expectations in james is it is it causing a problem and what's the solution to that because the fans aren't going to suddenly think oh hang on a minute mid-table will be all right no that's not going to change
3: um I'm, I'm not sure to be honest i you know i think if you still look at the media i don't think we are being talked about the same as, as some other sides um you know, certainly there there has been times when we've spoken about obviously um, what Mick McCarthy said, but put a little bit more attention on us. Um, though at that time, you know, we we're put, we we're getting results, we we're we we're winning games. Maybe we still weren't playing to the best of our ability, but we we're certainly winning games. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's, I think there's still, um, I think there's still an aspect of us that is under the radar because. People don't really look at us as a as a team that they think uh, are gonna are gonna win stuff. I, I saw a while ago um, someone put that I think someone on uh, Sky said Burnley are a big side, and and a Leeds fan said, you know, what have they been smoking? Burnley are a big side. Well, obviously, firstly, we've been in the Premier League twice in the last ten years, when Leeds have spent more seasons in uh, League One than we have spent. <laughs> well, don't know than anything, haven't they, Probably. Um, So, I I think this still is an aspect that we are largely under the radar and and people don't expect us to to do well. And I think, in fact, from some quarters, there may be a little bit of wanting to see us do badly to show that, you know, sides like Burnley can't be consistent performers. Um, Can we debate
1: that point, actually, Burnley? I'm not entirely sure that I agree with that. Really, where, where... Where's that come from? Where do you think? I, I don't know. I, you, you think that are people out there who deliberately want us to fail and are putting negative press on us because just to prove that sides like Burnley can't get do well and can't go in the Premier League? I'm not. Yes. I don't.
3: Why? Where... <laughs> yeah, just, I'm, not, no, I'm I, not. I'm just saying. I think it's a, you know, I think it's, it's a vibe. A... You know, I don't think people are going to write. Oh, I really want Burnley to fail. Are they? But I think you know some fans of other teams. Um, you know, certainly don't like seeing that a, a team like Burnley that, particularly younger fans, um, you know, of teams like Leeds, where you know they when they were growing up, Leeds were playing in the Champions League and they see Leeds as a you know a huge side, massive club Leeds, massive. yeah, massive club. Yeah. But they, you know, fans of teams That's like the Newcastle are the Champions League level. You know. But you know, they I don't think some younger fans actually realise how big Burnley were in the past. I think there was someone I saw. Oh, I saw it on Twitter the other week. I can't remember what team they, they were fans of, but they were saying, um, "Was it Aston Villa? It might have been Aston Villa. Might have been Aston Villa." A Burnley fan had been tweeting about Aston Villa getting beat again, which you know is you know as certain as the sun coming up in the morning now, isn't it? Um, and they said, "Oh, the, we've got more history than you." And they said, "Burnley, have got no history at all." Well, you're forgetting, you know, two-time league winners, FA Cup winners, being in Europe. Um, you know, Burnley have a lot of history, and I think younger fans don't necessarily, you know, appreciate that Burnley actually have been a big club in the past. I think there's a
1: difference there though James between fan banter and, and like you say younger fans who just have a pop at each other over social media just to try, try and outdo each other. What we're talking about here is is being under the radar in terms of 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 press and national media and I for me certainly in terms of, of, of um of the, the people whose, whose opinions out there I think you know at like sky pundits and football league show and the national you know press we're not under the radar at all uh, you know I think we're far from it I, I think we're trying to we're almost trying to manipulate this or the club's trying to manipulate this scenario where we're saying oh you know we're just going to go about our business quietly and we'll you know we'll we'll jump into promotion as and when you know when nobody's expecting it and that's that was my point i don't think we are I think we're being talked about every Week and our results are getting looked at in the press because of this pressure that they're expecting us to go up
3: and but up I, automatically. I, I completely disagree because I think, to be honest, <clears throat> if you're in the championship, unless you're Leeds, everyone's under the radar. Um, you know, the, there's not that much coverage of the championship. You know, most of the papers, the the biggest the championship gets is their championship roundup. And you know, you mentioned the Football League show, whatever it, it's called now. I watched it the first time it was on, it was rubbish, I've watched it again. Um, so I can't I can't tell you whether we get bigged up on it because I don't want to watch every league's highlights in a jumbled up order. I want to watch the championship and then turn it off, and they don't give me that option, so I don't do it.
2: Okay, um, I want to move on from that. Just a point on Villa, actually. Uh, I'm going to be a bit smug for a minute. I said a couple of tweets last season about it; they were going to get relegated. That obviously Villa fans picked up at the end of the season and. Trolled the hell out of me for a couple of days, so I'm really enjoying the fact that this year they are definitely going to get relegated. Particularly since I put five runs to the day at the start of the season, so yeah, Villa fans Excellent. can get in the bin. We Not that any Villa fans are going to be listening to the <laughs> Burnley podcast, but still, you, yeah, Villa fans.
1: You can use your winnings to put all those Andre Gray hat-trick bets on, them.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, they'll be paying out that Villa bet in about two weeks, probably, so they'll yeah, <laughs> be able to use that money. <laughs> um, anyway, looking ahead to the the weekend, Burnley hosting Charlton at Turf Moor. hopefully on the back of three points at Middlesbrough, but um, the winless run might be six games by then, so... It could be a slightly more pressure on the, on the team, I suppose. This is a game at home to to a team just outside the bottom three. As we record the podcast, it's it's sort of a game that anyone wanting to get promoted is going to have to win, James. But traditionally, Burnley at home to the strugglers, we all know, doesn't always go well. Although wonder Sean Dash, we seem to have put that record to bed.
3: Yeah, I'm. I'm. It's an. It's going to be an interesting game, I think, because you know, obviously Charlton. Um... Didn't do too bad a few weeks ago against Brighton, and it looked for a little while like they might actually, you know, end Brighton's unbeaten run. Uh, it, it didn't come to be, but it, it shows that I think any team in this league on, you know, on the right day can can beat anyone. And um, it's going to be an interesting one because I think you know, particularly at home, our fans do have a tendency to, you know, and they, I think this has been the way certainly as long as I've been on the turf, grown at misplaced passes. Um, you know, I've seen sarcastic claps for Jones passing forwards. Um, and I think when you get stuff like that, then that might play on the players' minds. And um, I think really, just to, to get the good atmosphere going, really needs an early goal, doesn't it? And, you know, some, a little bit of a spark early on, maybe, you know, an Andre Gray run, he, he scores one and we're 1-0 up after 10 minutes. And maybe that'll, you know, put the crowd at rest a little bit and, and allow us to push on and stop playing a little bit of better football.
2: It's obviously been a difficult season for Charlton and I'm sure a relegation battle is probably what they were expecting, but they've been improved of late, as you pointed out, they almost turned Brighton over um a couple of weeks ago and no one's beaten Brighton, so that that's a result that people had to take notice about. They beat Sheffield Wednesday at home, Sheffield Wednesday pushing for the top six and they won at Birmingham, another team challenging for the playoffs. So they had a couple of eye catching results recently, even if they did get beat four games in a row without scoring a goal not that long ago, but Natalie, it's the sort of game where everyone's going to expect Burnley to win and probably quite comfortably.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um And I think, for me, it's all going to come down to how we play at Borough midweek. And I, I know this sounds like a little bit of a, a fudge answer, but if we can get a result, and I don't necessarily mean a win, if we can get a um, a draw, Um, away at Middlesbrough which again like QPR would be a really good point um, away from home if we can get a decent result against Borough I expect us to beat them quite comfortably if we take a hammering at Borough and this dodgy spell um, continues then I suspect we're going to have a much tougher game um, and a much more uncomfortable game than we would maybe like and then I will feel a little bit uncomfortable um at the game so i think it depends on tuesday night
2: fair enough we'll round off with with predictions then um i don't know how you're going to say it tuesday night's game into account when you do a prediction natalie but um, give you a minute to think about that um james the andre gray hat trick is it gonna happen this time
3: it, it, it's, it's got. It's got to come, hasn't it? I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep putting.
2: A, Didn't score against Preston. He, he's run a score in the surf game to an end, so he, yeah, he must be due no. a goal.
3: I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep putting a couple of quid on him. he's he has got to pay off eventually, hasn't it? You know, he's 80 to one. At the weekend actually maybe a dry spell is gonna do me a favour because he'll come back explosively, score a hat trick, and I've got like 130 to one, and you know, big bears on me.
2: He'll literally but, be a millionaire.
3: But. it's a hard it is a tough one to call I think Charlton's I think teams like this are the harder ones to predict than any others in the league because you know like I said what they did at Brighton the other week um, and I think actually they had a man sent off didn't they and they may have held on if it hadn't been for that Um, but you know I I think we've we've got to say we're going to win and we're going to get our festive period off to a a really good start Um, you know regardless of what happens at Middlesbrough because you know Middlesbrough are a top quality side in the league and I think at just a point there would be nice. So it'd be it'd be nice certainly to come out of this week with, with four points um, as a minimum, and um, you know a couple of goals and a, a clean sheet would be good as well. So I'm going to go for um, going to go for two nil. Not quite the Andrea Gray hat trick because I, I I don't want to I don't don't want to predict it too often. But
2: um, <laughs> you don't want to predict it too so often. You predict it every week. <laughs> As James has pointed out, it is important to use this game as a, as a springboard, isn't it? We've got some tricky games over Christmas. We've got to go to Hull Unboxing Day, Ipswich at Home on the 2nd of January. These are going to be difficult games. This is one game that you should put down as
3: a home banker. It
1: should be, yes. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm going to utilise my reverse psychology again that nearly worked last week. <laughs> the reverse
2: psychology that <laughs> yeah. was so successful. Well, that.
1: I said that we were going to get beat like seven nil, but we didn't get beat. But we got a good point away at Loftus Road. I obviously just didn't say enough goals, so I'm going to obviously, say we're going to get yeah. beat fourteen <laughs> 0 <laughs> I'm Jess. I do Jess. Um, I'm I'm going to be blindly optimistic and I'm going to say it's going to be a comfortable 3-0 win um, assuming that we get a result um, away at Borough but I think I I think that we will I think this will be the game where everything slots back into place and sets us up very nicely for a good festive run.
2: Excellent um, well I agree I think it should be a home win really. so hopefully we'll have at least one win to talk about next week's podcast we'll do the Borough game On there as well, I'm making the trip up to Teesside. I know I just treat myself a couple of days in Teesside just before Christmas. Uh, A little treat yourself there. So, yeah, that's, that's very exciting. Tickets came today just before the match, which is very good. So we'll have Borough and Charlton on next week's podcast. Thanks to James and Natalie for joining me. Please get in touch if you've got any feedback or if you want to come on the podcast or have any podcast-related questions, feedback, anything really, email us on podcast.noneonever.net or you can tweet us, abuse, jokes, trolls, do whatever you want on Twitter as well, at nononevernet. We'll be back next week. Thanks to Neville G for sponsoring the podcast, but that's all we've got time for, so we will catch you next
3: week. Goodbye. Jimmy, did you feel like you committed to talking about Middlesbrough a bit too much there and you you were just in some sort of black hole? The (laughs) tickets came today, which is just before the game, which is really good. It's like, Jesus, he's lost it. it. He's lost it.
2: I don't know how to stop talking at the end.
3: Away days are great,
0: but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery.